Welcome to the Talent Matters Podcast. Learn how to make the most of talent as a competitive advantage. Navigate today's fast-changing talent landscape and prepare now for the future of work. Here's your hosts, Brian Arzani and Jennifer Erickson. All right. Hey, welcome back to Talent Matters. Your hosts here, Jennifer Erickson and Brian Arzani with Intermetrics North America and Results Group. We are super jacked up today. We have continued to get more and more questions, more and more feedback. This is kind of taken off and become a little bit more than what we thought it was going to be. We thought we'd just provide some information out to the marketplace and now I guess the marketplace appreciates it, which in the world of being a solopreneur, entrepreneur, you go to where the market is and what they value. And it sounds like to us that talent really does matter, Jennifer. Well, yes, it does, <laughs> because talent is what differentiates you from your competitors. Yep, absolutely. So we've talked in depth with a lot of our clients, some great executives um, and not-for-profit and for-profit and industrial and, and white-collar. Over the last 21 years, Jen and I have had the opportunity to serve all ends of the spectrum when it comes to uh, businesses, organizations, uh, nonprofits, yeah, school districts, you name it. Yeah, government. And so today we're going to continue in the spirit of abundance with our knowledge and information and experience around recruiting and attracting talent, developing talent, all that kind of stuff. But we talked uh, in our previous podcast, you should check it out. We talk about, you know, why have a recruitment system? We've talked about um, this thing that we've talked in, in depth about is different assessments. But today we're going to talk about a very, very specific thing that most folks overlook. And it has to do with something that really Jennifer pioneered in a lot of ways. Now, we're not going to say we're the only one that's done it, but by golly, we got paid a lot of money and have taught a lot of folks how to do this. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And uh, I'll just, without further ado, Jennifer, I mean, just we're going we're gonna to tell them, okay, now that you know who you're looking for in step one, how do you attract them? And how did you come to this place, Jennifer, of really being known as the person to go to when it comes to how to attract the right kind of talent? I mean, where did this come from? Well, so today we're talking about how to write recruitment ads that work. And what a lot of people don't know about me is I used to be in the radio business. Mm. And at that time, uh, the city we're in, Des Moines, Iowa, had a 2.2% unemployment rate. And all of my advertisers couldn't find employees. So I went the non-traditional route and started getting my clients to utilize radio to attract people as employees. Because here's the thing, even if they didn't hear it themselves, someone they knew would hear it and knew they would look, they were looking for a job. Interesting. Like their mom, their sister, their friend and said, hey, Joe, you need to go apply over at Shell Heating and Cooling. Cool. Right. All right. All right. Okay. So I did, I've, I've, I've specialized in recruitment advertising for over 20 years. And then, wow. and then, as you know, we've worked together for, you know, 21 years. Which means we're only about 18 or 19. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. And, and we've been doing what we've been doing for that long. Yep. And this is a piece of the custom hiring process we work with our clients on. And we've been designing those, you know, for 21 years. So that's how we got as good as we are. Yeah. And so we did it actually for ourselves for 
many, many years because we were really good at it. And one of the keys to staying in business is making enough money to pay for mistakes. Absolutely. We follow the 4M process, measure, manage, monitor, modify, which we talked about in a previous podcast. You want to check that out. Yeah, that'd be a really good one to listen to. But yeah, it, at the end of the day, it's it's figuring out what it is. Um, I'm not really good at fishing, but I do know that it's a lot like fishing, right? You you start the day out and you've got a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different bait, and then you're going to fish until you find the one that the fish hit on. And basically from the outside looking in, that's really kind of what you've kind of cracked the code on. Is- oh, absolutely. And it's funny because I just had a client uh, reach out to me a couple weeks ago saying, we're getting all kinds of people that aren't fitting our benchmark because we did a benchmark project for these folks, yeah. right? but we didn't do their hiring system because they already had one. Huh, so they so they have their own ads. Uh-huh. And I said, can I see your ad? And when I saw their ad, my comment to them was, well, the candidates you're receiving are because of the baits you, bait you are using. In other words, they're writing the wrong ad. They're attracting the wrong person with the way the ad is written. So today we're going to talk to you all about our formula for writing ads so that you can fish for the right with the right bait. There we go. All right. So before we begin, I'm going to assume, we are going to assume yep. that you have these things already. A standardized recruitment process. And standardized means that everybody understands, knows it, and is executing on it versus just you who's listening to this. Because obviously you're committed to finding, hiring, and retaining the right talents. So you're listening to this. I wonder how many other people within your organization have been looking for the same answer or have found it or are just content where they're at. Okay, I'm going to shut up. Also, a lot of companies think they have a standardized hiring process because one or two people do it. But Steve and Joe over there or have their own set of questions or their own measures. Oh, nobody's like, listening to this today that, that they've got those rogue managers that just pride themselves on their own little way to do it. Yeah. The second thing we're going to assume you have is benchmarks. And I'm talking about benchmarks for behavior, how the position should behave, how it is rewarded, its values, motivators, and cognitive information. Like how should it think? What natural talent should it have? If this position could speak, what it would what, what would it be telling you? You know what's crazy is getting getting businesses to talk about a position versus the existing or previous people. Isn't that funny? It is funny. Because they don't think it's possible to to find that talent. And it is. Right. Or they just they they've never thought of it that way. They've never thought about if the position could speak, how would it talk? So I think so like, that's a key point. I think we we gloss over it because we've been doing it for so long. But that's something that once we teach the leadership, the management inside, how to talk about the position, it creates objectivity around this subjective thing. Because everybody always compares the people they've had or the people they have to what they want versus completely objectifying it and talking just if the position could talk. All right, keep going. Sorry. We're going to assume that you have an ideal candidate profile. And Brian and I are going to do a whole session on that, a whole podcast on that as well. Is that a job description? No, it is not. But we're going to assume you have one of those too. Okay. <laughs> Two separate documents. Holy cow. Exactly. So I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a components of an ideal candidate profile and we're, we'll get into more detail in a, in a letter later podcast, but it includes the purpose of the position, essential duties and responsibilities, required skills. And I'm not talking about just typing 40 words a minute. Okay. <laughs> Observable behavioral characteristics, crucial job experience, Right. Ah, now all those transferable, transferable skills. skills. Um, For example, 
a while ago, many years ago, Pepsi in our market got rid of its route drivers and had them reapply. They were reorging or something. I don't know. But it was back when we were recruiting a lot for salespeople. And a route driver is considered a salesperson at Pepsi. But really, they're a professional visitor that goes and tries to talk the stores into giving them more shelf space, giving them end caps, giving them, you know, uh, displays in the action aisles and, and that sort of thing. So they're bidding for inches. They're bidding uh, for, uh, yes, yes. But they're considered sales. They're called sales inside Pepsi. So all of these folks were applying for our sales positions. And guess what they didn't have? Transferable skills. Because they were out there selling folks that need and want and already have versus creating need from scratch. Oh, all right. We'll talk about a, that more later. That, yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother session, right? Other requirements you might have, right? Do you require them to be able to drive? Do they have to have their own car? Do they have to have insurance? Do they have to have no felonies? Do you, I don't know. Some of my clients say you can't have facial hair. So what are those knockout factors? So really, you're building almost like what they, when you talk about military terms, you're building, this is the target package, if you will, versus the job description, which is a bunch of administrative things. This target package or the ideal candidate profile is something that goes a lot more in depth right. that, than most people have thought about. Other general qualifications, uh, you know, well, a, a requirement would be like if it was an outdoors job, they have to be able to work outdoors, they have to be able to climb a ladder, get on a roof, whatever sure. it may be. A general qualification, they have to be able to read. Mm. Maybe they have to be able to read English. Okay. All right. So what does a top performer look like for you? Here's the question you need to ask yourself and ponder a lot. What would I look like, have to have done in order to get hired for your organization? How do I behave? Is that a a tough question to ask employers or do they struggle with this? Oh, they struggle. That's why I say you need to ponder it for quite some time. So when you ask them, what would, I, what would I look like? What would I look like? Or what would I have done in the past in order to get hired? So you start unlocking things within them that maybe they haven't thought about or what? They haven't that? thought about it or they don't know they know it. Huh. And if you're talking just purely a salesperson, sometimes you, I've, I've heard you re-educate people on what the real def because what our definition of is a top performer may not be what theirs is, right? Right. So that that's also a key piece. All right. So step one, determining your ideal candidate. What skills are needed for success in this position? Notice I said in this position. Mm. right? What behavior will make this this position successful? What type of motivation drives this person for success? And what paradigms will make or break this position? Now, I used to be in sales, so I get to pick on sales because I was one, right? And here's what we mean by paradigms. Growing up, Brian, your grandpa got a new truck and you're pulling up to your grandpa's house. What did your mom and dad tell you? Before you got out of that car that day. Don't you ask grandpa how much he paid for that truck. And don't you ask him to drive it and just keep your hands off of it. And you don't do anything to upset grandpa today because you know how he gets about his new things. Exactly. Growing up, at least in the United States, we're told not to ask people about money. That in fact, it is rude. 
You don't ask them how much they pay for things. You don't ask them how much money they make. You don't ask them how much things cost, all of that. And that is the one paradigm that we find really affects people in the sales role. So, so what, so, so just for those that may not be as aware or in tune with this. So let's say I accidentally end up in sales and I've got this really heavy paradigm of my mom and dad in my ear or my aunt or uncle, whoever it is that raised you telling you, don't you ask them at all about what they pay for that stuff. So then I end up in sales. What happens to me? Well, you're not going to ask what their budget is for things. Well, they may, maybe they lie. They go, oh, I do too. I ask about budget. Well, we know you don't. They get the lay down sales. They get the low hanging fruit. They're never going to ask money, uh, uh, ask money questions at all. And they're going to have a tough time closing unless it's a lay down. There you go. Or they bring up money too late in the process. Correct. It's way past Correct. due. Because their discomfort transfers over to making the prospect or the client uncomfortable. And so it's just, yeah, it is what it is. And then it's self-fulfilling prophecies. We're perfectly designed to get the results we believe we're entitled to. So if that's a paradigm and it's a self-limiting paradigm, then that's what you're going to get. You're going to get people that come on board that might look and act or feel or whatever, but that that hidden paradigm is going to rear its ugly head. So that's one example. And there are what, many. Oh my gosh. There are many, yeah. which we could get into in another session. So who are we looking for, Jennifer? Well, What's, we're looking for people with job satisfaction. And here's what I want to say about these ads. These ads are written to find quality, not quantity. Hmm. So when they're written the right way, you don't get bombarded with the unqualified. Will you still get some? Yes, you will. Because you're always going to have those folks out there trying to get their unemployment checks, right? <laughs> but it's it's more about quality, not quantity. Job dissatisfaction means that they're upset, they're employed right now, and they're upset for some reason. Is it something their boss did? Is it something a coworker did? I don't know. I recently came across somebody that decided to jump ship because uh, they moved offices, and now she was going to have to drive 45 minutes in the other way. Hmm. Now, she was already driving 45 minutes, but it's a different way, and she didn't like that. So she had job dissatisfaction. And here's the deal with job dissatisfaction. they are in the These folks are in the job change mode for 7 to 10 days. So to reach them during this time period, you need to appeal to their needs and wants. You need to hook them with the right bait, right? Before someone else snaps them up or their boss figures it out and fixes it. There you go. So, and top performers are in that change mode for a brief period of time. A, because top performers generally have their next move, regardless of what, if, whether they're in sales, technology, um, accounting, Management, engineering, doesn't matter. Anything. Yeah. The good ones, every good employee out there has people that they are already on their short list. So they're getting courted, they're getting called all the time. And so you either find them in that seven to 10 day period when they are uncertain about their future in their current role, or they solve their problem, whether it's the employer solving the problem, whether it's you know uh, the, the new position gets the, the solution uh, to the problem, but you've got a brief period of time when you get to, to ping their interest. And how do you ping their interest? I mean, what are the- Well, you ping their interest by talking about them, by making them go, that's me. Ah. All right. Or having somebody that knows them go, dude, I totally just read, heard, seen, saw, whatever, something that described exactly who you are. And that's what- 
what the magic is. So it? really, we're speaking to the felt need. Okay, that's what it's all about. They already have positions. We have to steal them from someone else, whether it's their current employer or the shirtless person that, that's already out there waiting, waiting for this to happen, right? So what's going on in their life that's making them dissatisfied? So with you're, the position? as part of your packet package, then your, your target package, you're going to try to describe some things that are going on in their current environment. And so all of that pre- you know, work that you've done with the employer, you're going to be asking them all those questions to say, okay, so what are the different scenarios that could cause dissatisfaction in these different key types of roles? types of roles, right. And I call it the intro, okay? And you're going to address those areas with three or four questions directed at the candidate at the beginning of the ad. So here's what one sounds like. And again, I was in sales, so I get to pick on sales, Okay. Are you a successful sales pro that loves the challenge of managing relationships with every type of client imaginable? Do you see yourself more as a people person who gets paid to solve complicated client problems? Are you successful but bored because you're not challenged at your current company? Do you excel excel, excuse me, do you excel with sales opportunities that are fast-paced and highly competitive and do whatever it takes because you hate to lose? If your sales position is at a dead end and you're searching for the right opportunity where you can make the kind of money you are worth, then we need to talk. And we've done some simple intros that are as simple as, you know, just did your sales territory and compensation plan get changed for the third year in a row? And not in your favor. There you go. I mean, so basically you're you're describing and trying to trigger their interest to go, dude, you just described me and they have no idea who or what they're reapplying to. They just are hearing something that just spoke to their, like you said, felt need. And I I love that. There's so many ads out there, especially let's say in sales or markets that have lower unemployment. I know right now everybody's touting high unemployment, but there are certain industries that, you know, they can't find people. And it, uh, let's look at the skilled trades. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, okay. they're dying. They're so dying for people right now. everybody in the skilled trades should be utilizing this formula to separate yourself from your competitors. Absolutely. Because that's going to hook people in. Okay, next we're going to talk about the section, who you are. Candidates care more about what's in it for them, but we still need to say a little bit about the company, but we don't need to make it all about the company because they don't care. Right. So most advertisements <laughs> are just you know, making them, making the company feel good and sound good. But in reality, the prospective candidate has no, no interest at all in the company per se. It's more about themselves at that very moment. Right. So this is the, you get one paragraph about who you are as a company. And it's not in the first paragraph and maybe not even the second paragraph. No, this is after we hook them. All right. So, okay. So we're XYZ Packaging, and for over 25 years, we've been supplying quality products throughout the U.S. We are a family-owned business and have earned the reputation as the nation's leading distributor of packaging, janitorial, and sanitary supplies. We move fast, make decisions based on what's best for the customer, are focused on sales today, but also invest in the long-term growth in the of our company and our people. We are looking for the outright outside salesperson to assist in taking our whatever town USA branch to the next level. Is that you? So, boom, it's just brief about the company. And I think a key piece in there that, you know, is, and there's a lot of little things in there that kind of help to dissuade 
uh, the wrong candidates from applying. And this has nothing to do with race, gender, nationality, language, not ever. It, but it, but the one key piece in there said it's a family owned business, which if somebody has a paradigm like you talked about of working in a family owned business and they hate it, it they just were like, then we'll dissuade them. Or if somebody has been in a corporate world and has aspirations to maybe get back to what they loved earlier in their career. So you've described a tremendous amount of things that the candidate could potentially assimilate or relate to. Well, what we try to do is put the objections in, the knockout factors in, right? Ah. So here, here's what we find. A lot of times people that have only worked in corporate culture have a hard time assimilating to family-owned businesses because they don't have the level of resources mm. and the level of budget right? That or all the little gizmos right. and the technology that they get with corporate. Mm. You know, yep. family-owned businesses is more bootstrapping it, right? Yeah. Okay. All other duties as assigned versus, well, that's not on my job description, whatever. So yeah, I got you. Okay. Okay. So we did the intro. We did the who you are. Now we're going to bullet point more information about who you're looking for. You need to speak to that ideal candidate in their language. Make sure you use language that allows them to see them behaving in a manner congruent with the position. So okay. all of that stuff that you did in terms of how does the position behave, this is where you start describing yeah, some of this. Yeah, this is things. where that ideal candidate profile information comes in. And because we have a behavioral instrument that accompanies it, you can not only put the behavioral expectations in there, you can try to dissuade them from that. You can ask that in the phone interview and the in-person interview, but then you also have an instrument that can back up, do they possess some of those natural innate behaviors? Absolutely. So here, here are some. Here are some. And and quite frankly, this is a pretty long list and I'm not going to read it all. Yeah, just give them two or three. And well, then I'm going to give going. a couple and then I'm going to give a couple at the bottom that I feel are critical. If you have sold business to business products and services, oh, sorry, if this describes you, then contact us today. You have sold business to business products and services in a highly competitive environment. You sell and service your clients on a regular basis and consistently get average orders of at least $5,000. It takes three to five calls to get your first order from a new customer. Boom. So that, that there's gold right there. I okay. mean, there, there's more stuff that was just described in that than probably you have ever put in any of your advertisements. And this is going to dissuade somebody who likes really, really slow moving milk route, you know, I mean, so boom. I mean, there's a ton of stuff there. Right. Give, I want to give, one, give, one, I one give two, two more. more because these were knockout factors. Okay. You have a prior income within the last year of at least $25,000 with a majority of that income coming from commissions. So that could either be 25, it could be 125, right. it could this be was an, this was, whatever. This was a little yep. more entry level. Okay. So you use CRM software as a tool and know how to leverage the information from the system to grow your business. So if I'd never made any type of a commission in an outside sales role, that's a knockout factor. Correct. And if you've never used CRM software- or even or, know what the heck it stands for. <laughs> or value it, or uh, value it. Oh, so you've actually also told me, hey, you're going to be doing this. So if you want to leave your current company because they just installed CRM- Yeah, don't come here. Ah, even more knockout factors. Right. Ooh. And you need to know how to use it. And you uh, see the value of using it to grow your business. All right. Nuances yep, there. Yep. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Now, if you've noticed twice, we've said, if this describes you, call us today. Ah, 
right? So, so those why are, call? Why, why not? Why not say well, fill out this online thing, submit a resume? Why not that? Well, first of all, top performers don't have resumes. Why not? Okay, because they're not looking typically, and they okay. don't need one. Their performance speaks for itself. Ah, so what belief system do they possess that prevents them from having a resume ready to go? I mean, why don't why don't they think the resume sells for them? What's what belief system do they have that they know that proposals don't sell, people sell. A resume uh, is a proposal. So if you make the proposal or the resume, step one, a top performer is going to say, you obviously don't understand what a top performer is. So they'll just move right along to the next opportunity. Exactly. Ah, I hope you all just took notes on that. Right. If, you're, if your first step for a top performer is resume, then you probably should consider making an adjustment or just get comfortable with the fact your competitor is going to keep getting the superstar sales and, <laughs> and employees, and you're going to keep getting the riffraff who just wants to do the least amount possible to maintain employment. All right. So we're going to do the last call to action. So actually, I think I've done three already. So if this describes you, contact us today at don't waste another day in a job taking you nowhere. Contact us today. If you would like and to it's earn a phone what number, you're worth, not, not yes, at contact WW. us it's, today. Yeah. yeah, what you're doing is you're asking them to close you. Well, we're asking them here. Here's what we're asking them to do. What you do with your customers. Pick up the damn phone and make a sales call, for goodness sakes. And here's the most important sales call a salesperson is ever going to make. It's on getting a job that they want. So if they won't pick up the phone to call about getting an interview, for themselves and their livelihood and their family, what are the odds that they're going to pick up the phone after you've hired them, after they've negotiated the fat guarantee and all that other stuff and benefits and asked you about vacation? I've got this uh, family thing in you know, two months. Can I go ahead and just try whatever? If they won't pick up the phone to schedule an appointment to get interviewed with you, the chances of them picking up the phone after they're hired, oh my gosh, they're never right. going to be as committed as exactly. they were to getting their own job. Exactly. And then they don't have to call you. They could call an assistant, a receptionist, go back and listen to the podcast on the hiring process. And you can weed some of the ones there out that actually have some guts and call, but aren't qualified. Okay. Additional information. I mentioned that a little earlier. Put the compensation in your ad. Yeah. A lot of people won't put the compensation in, and that's crazy. And you can bracket it. You can put based on or whatever. But, yeah, you've got to put it in there. Like, you know, 40000 plus achievable. Yeah. Right? Whatever. And if I must have made twenty five, then forty is okay, right? right? If it says must have made twenty five, and you're offering me 250 that's a uh, total that's, whack. That's, that's yeah. whacked. All right? The position type, right? I'm assuming this is a full-time position, but if it's an independent contractor position, Put it in there. say so. Yeah. It could be a knockout. knockout no to does. Right? No to does. What kind of benefits you offer, there you go. right? Other requirements, drug tests, valid insurance, valid driver's license, computer skills, CRM skills, ability to travel, mm. right? Yep. Ability to lift, college degree, how many years experience, you know, so on and so forth. Okay. So yeah, we got that, that's where you get to do all the stuff you probably already are doing. Okay, we do, so now you get to do what you wanted to do, but it's just the order that you do it in. Absolutely, you put it at the end. Then again, contact information. Make it easy for them to apply. Yeah. Every ad I put out there, I put my name, my phone number, and my email address, or the name of who they're going to contact, or the name they were going to contact. Yep. And you should do the same. 
There you go. So here's the deal, folks. Down and dirty. There you go. If you're not writing recruitment ads that understand how to sell, attract, and find the right talent, then you've got the components we just gave you, the raw components that can allow you to do it. And I we guarantee if you're following the four M's, you'll know that it's not working within a couple of days because you're going to be getting the wrong people. That's why our, our, our client called us and said, hey, we're not getting the right people because they also follow the four M's. And if you're going to work with us, you're going to follow the four M's. So there you go, Jen. I mean, there's some there's some serious gold nuggets right there. So I don't know. Let's just go out there and help some other folks find, hire, retain the right kind of people and uh, work on the succession planning. Because there's the deal. If you like this stuff and you want to share it, like it, subscribe, and continue to share our stuff. We're having a blast just providing good information out there because you know what? Talent does matter, right, Jen? Absolutely. And soon, the Ideal Candidate Profile Podcast will be coming. Boom. All right. Have a great day. Thanks so much, y'all. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.